great to have uh, to be here. Thank you, Pete, for allowing me to uh, come and talk to you a little bit about eldership. And just before I share about that, um, uh, Pete was saying I'm married to Liz here. Uh, we've been uh, um, on this amazing journey um, with, with New Frontiers since 1998, quite a long time ago. Uh, I was saved in Hamilton, became a Christian there, and uh, was a youth pastor with another stream of churches, and then um, had some time out, went to the UK, and uh, stumbled across this, these churches called New Frontiers. Um, and um, guys, just before I start, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper into my heart, uh, and Jesus wanted me to say to you that he knows your name. He knows you. You go, me? He knows you. And he wants to tell you this morning that he loves you very, very much. As I was, <coughs> excuse me, as I was worshipping the Lord there, just the Lord just spoke into my heart. Guys, he wanted me to tell you he knows your name and he loves you. Yeah? Wow. What precious love that is that he would die for us on the cross. If you were the last person on earth, his love is that he would die for you personally. Isn't that amazing love? And he does do that today. Receive his love this morning. With anything else, apart from what I share this morning, take that home, yeah? And that'll be all right. <laughs> and, uh, and that'll be okay. Um, in 1998, we stumbled into a church in the UK called New Frontiers. It was called King's Church in, um, in a place called Harrow. And I walked into that church, and a few things that really struck me that I didn't realize the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and preparing my heart for. And one of the, thing I, one of the things I saw was authenticity in the church. These people were real. There wasn't sort of a facade or people trying to be someone that they're not. There was a real em emphasis on, on, on being just real, real people. The other thing was there was a message of grace, and I couldn't believe that, that these people were talking about grace. I'd never really experienced that. All I've heard about is greasy grace, you know, you know, get saved, you could do anything you want. I hadn't heard about the freedom, the liberty, the, the, the unconditional love that God gives you. And uh, it just was a revelation to me that I could sit down on the inside. I couldn't strive. I didn't have to strive to work up to be a Christian. I could rest and relax in the presence of God. I'm seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. That was a revelation to me and that freed my life from a from a different type of Christianity that I grew up with. I was, all, I was also impressed that there was an amazing, there was, a, there was an amazing freedom to allow the, the word of God to penetrate people's hearts. There was a real importance about the scriptures. There wasn't just a sermon, one scripture, and then you never saw the Bible again with the whole sermon. I think this, this is refreshing, you know? And it wasn't a self-help talk either. It was really like deep, and there was something happening here. There was bread, there was life. Uh, also, there's people that were open to the Spirit of God. It wasn't just strong, just on the Word, and that's it. But they were open to the Holy Spirit moving and power and touching lives. And I'm wow, this is a revelation to me. I want a part of this. And then I saw a group, these guys were running the church. There wasn't just one superstar, you know, guy who was amazing, bling on, and, you know, fast suit and everything, and he rides in a Harley Davidson, you know, and all these things. It was just normal people. I thought, this is amazing. 
amazing. It's a team of guys, not just one person. And I thought, this is refreshing. In fact, our guest speaker, he was out the back doing the dishes. I'm like, what? I've never heard about this before. This is incredible. And you know, it was a place where we walked into the door and I felt safe. You know, I felt like I could be restored. I was a burnt out youth pastor. Yeah, I was burnt out tired of striving and struggling and trying to make the change the world in my own strength and god had brought me to a place where i didn't realize it but he had given me a place where i could have uh, real freedom and 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 grow as a christian and i pray that you will find that here as well i know you will what springs to mind when you um think about el- being uh, an elder what do you what springs to mind uh, do you think about that person you know when you see an elder yeah, you think about that, yeah, just a grumpy person, you know, Argh! but like Pete in the morning when he first wakes up before he's had a coffee, yeah, or is it these guys, you know, is it one of those guys, you go, oh, that's what I think of when I think of an elder, or is it one of those, that guy there is quite freaky, and a Māori elder, no, not necessarily, that's not what I'm trying to talk about today, I'm talking about in the New Testament about eldership, and in the eldership, um, there's a Greek word that crops up a, a lot called presbyteros. So I can't even pronounce it very well, but um, it, it backs, actually the literal translation of it is aged old man and uh, something else. What was it again? Um, uh, old, ancient, and aged. But also it has connections to overseer and shepherd as well. Close connections to that as well. And um, Paul and Barnabas in, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts. They are in the scripture here, Acts 14, 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders uh, for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in, uh, in whom they had put their trust. I like this. It's not an elder. It's elders. I love that plural. I love team. There's no I in team. Yeah, it's a togetherness. There's a safety in numbers. You know, if one person gets on a tangent, the other elders can sort of help them out a bit and say, oh, maybe that's not quite right, you know. Um, you know, it, it's just all working together, hearing the voice of God and going along together. There's a really importance about team and eldership. And Paul pointed this, appointed people. And you know what? It's, it's been, been like that for, from, from down the generations. The church been appointing elders. And I want to look at um, Titus 1, verses 5 to 9. And uh, Paul has left a chap, his name's um, Titus, to, uh, to, to sort of finish work that had, they had begun. And one of the things was to appoint elders. And uh, a bit of background to this, as Paul knew that this, these churches that they planted through this island of Crete, they needed to have elders in place for stability, protection, and there was a lot of false teachers around at the time. Um, you know, Crete was a wild place, and it was like the, the place of immorality. People, a debauchery, and a, a quite a wild place. You didn't say, you in a proud voice, that you came from Crete, yeah? It's one of those sort of places. You know, they're sort of quite a wild bunch. They even probably would have watched Coronation Street you know, and they probably wore Man United t-shirts, guaranteed, you know, a wild place. They even probably had Android phones instead of Apple iPhones, you know, those sort of people, you know, wild people. And, uh, and you just, you know, it was a very difficult place. But, um, you know, this is the sort of place that um, Paul has appointed Titus to go and 
and, and to appoint elders. And there were false teachers around. They were from the sort of Jewish community, and they were uh, they were so big on myths and uh, and just um, uh, uh, um, Jewish uh, rituals. And one of the things was circumcision. They wanted all the believers to be circumcised, and all the guys sighed with relief. Obviously, that that didn't happen. And uh, and uh, you know that was that they didn't need to. All the Gentiles. There was all that false uh, teaching that was going on there. And and Paul knew that they needed to establish elders in the churches, otherwise things would go awry. And um, it was the hot bread of immorality in a terrible, terrible place. But um, Paul, even in Crete, expected uh, that godly churches would arise because of the gospel. He believed that. You know, even in our land, you know, before the Pākehā came, before, uh, you know, uh, the missionaries came, and when the, when the missionaries did come, we, you know, they, they, the missionaries came and they believed the warring nation of New Zealand, there would be peace would come. There would be uh, people that rise up because of the gospel, and that happened. I was listening on a radio the other day of stories about some of the Māori wars before the Pākehā come, and, you know, you think of, oh, little wee tribes having a war and having a few skirmishes around. Man, there was thousands and thousands of warriors attacking each other. There were huge, big battles right throughout our land. And the peace through the gospel it came and changed our nation. Isn't that awesome? The gospel is a powerful thing. And if we go through here to um, go through to Titus 1 verse 5, that's the sort of context of this passage of scripture. If we read it together, the reason I left you in Crete, this is... Uh, Paul speaking, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, I don't think you're that, Nat. I don't think so. Uh, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright and holy and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message, of this, uh, message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Wow, you know, that's a long list. But what, he, what Paul is saying is, I'm more interested in the character of the people that you appoint, Titus, than what they can do. I'm more important about where they stand and how they are and what their character is before, rather than what they can do. And that's so important, isn't it, with elders? Um, so blameless, uh, faithful to his wife. Nat, I believe you are. A man whose children believe and not open to wild behavior. Well, no, they don't do that, I'm sure. No, <laughs> they're quite young. Not overbearing that, uh, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. These are all character things. Not must be hospitable. One who loves what is good. Matt, Nat, you are that. Paul was more interested in that character than what they could do. Four things I believe that the, an elder is responsible for. There's other things as well, but these are four things that I thought about. One, First thing is doctrine, the message, especially the gospel, yeah? If the gospel is not adhered to, if it's not preached, there's no true salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. If we don't hear the gospel in its true sense, then we have people grow up and they think they're Christians, but they're not, yeah? 
we, if you need to, we need to stick to the doctrine of the gospel. Another doctrine that's really going to be challenged, in fact, I was reading and listening to R.C. Sproul, he's a famous uh, theologian, he says the, one of the most important doctrines in the 20th century and this century uh, 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 that is going to be challenged is the doctrine of the Trinity. And I, list, I was listening to the wedding the other night. Who watched the wedding? Yeah, come on, be honest. Raise your hands, Yes. You know, the Trinity was mentioned so many times. My heart sang because the Trinity was mentioned so many times. The doctrine is so important. And when you've got a, a team of elders preaching doctrine, they can work with each other to make sure that we believe that they're on track and protected and we're not preaching false doctrine. If you have one person, there's, a lot, you know, there's the ability to go off the rails. The second one is direction. It's important as, a, as an eldership to have direction or to, to lead the church somewhere. We're going somewhere, team. We're going to reach Wellington for the gospel. We're going to plant churches. We're going to go for it. This is the direction that we're going, and it's good that the, the eldership are in charge of that, responsible for the direction of the church. The, the third thing is devotion. Guys, one thing that struck me about this church, especially knowing Phil and Pete for so long, is they love Jesus, yeah? And I heard a saying the other day, uh, the coach, uh, the team reflects the coach, yeah? The team reflects the coach. And I went, hmm, interesting. And I was thinking about these guys. You go to a prayer meeting with these guys, you know they love Jesus. You know that their lives are not sort of superficially giving mouth service or lip service to Jesus. They love the Lord. They love him so much. And guys, I endorse you with them. As so as Nat. I've known Nat, Nat for a long time. Um, uh, Josh has known Nat, uh, one of our, our leaders, Josh is here. He's known Nat for about 10 years. We know him. We know about him. We know that he loves the Lord. And I know you guys too. And that, and that will develop, that will, that will make the sense of temperature in your church rise. Why? Because you, they love the Lord and they can't help that but rub that off onto you. Yeah, devotion is so important. I made that one up, actually. Yeah, that's all right. And the third one, the fourth one, is discipline. Guys, not a great thing, discipline. Now, that's not discipline in the sense of getting up early in the morning and, you know, and, and praying and all that stuff. What I'm meaning about is if you go off the rails, guys, or you need a bit of discipline, yeah, these guys have got to do it. And you've got to give them permission to speak into your life. And sometimes, you know, uh, it's hard. It's hard for a leader, an elder. I've been an elder for a number of, uh, a number of years. Uh, I'm technically not an elder at the moment uh, because I left that elder in, eldership in Christchurch. But, um, you know, we've had to do some discipline in people's lives. But it's always for restoration. Always hear the heart of the leader is wanting you to be restored. And that's why they speak to you about discipline, about something in your life that may need correction. It's because they want to see you flourish and, 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 and be all that God's called you to be. Discipline is so important. If you, and when uh, we pray for Nat, Nat might have to come to you, you know, and he, he's not going to be your best friend at that time. And he said, guys, I want you to do this. Or I, I see this in your life and I'd encourage you, you know, we've got to sit down and talk about this. And it's discipline. And uh, he, what he's doing is doing it in love, not out of a, a, a lording over you. Uh, a couple of scriptures just, guys, just before I finish to the team. In Acts 20, verse 28, it says this, Keep watch, 
over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of God's of, of Church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I like this. Eldership is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a, just something, a good idea. It's a work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has spoken to uh, the oversight, to uh, the apostolic team, to Pete and to Phil and to other people in the church, and, put, and, and we are appointing Nat as an elder. It's a work of the Spirit. Uh, the next one is um, in First Peter 5, uh, verse 1 to, 1 to 4. It says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, guys, and I believe that's not you, but because you are willing as God, uh, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Guys, the chief shepherd is not Pete Hanare or Phil Haddo. It is Jesus. He is the chief shepherd of this church, and I know that, and I know these guys know that as well. And he will return very, well, I'm hoping very soon, but one day he will return. To Nat, one last lot of scriptures and, and one Timothy. And this is for you, Nat. Don't let anyone look down on you because you have no hair. Oh, I mean, <coughs> because you are young. Oh, I just, I, I misread that, sorry. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity, yeah? Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to preaching and to teaching, not to neglect your gift which was given to you through prophecy, which the body of elders laid their, when they, body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress, watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them because, or persevere in them, sorry, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers, Nat. Yeah? Church, our responsibility is to pray. Pray for our leaders. Pray for Nat. Pray for Phil. Pray for uh, Pete. Uh, encourage our leaders and bless your leaders as well. When they're looking down, go and bless them with a McDonald's burger or something and, uh, and bless your leaders. Thank you, Pete. Uh, I think we need to pray. It's up to you. Let's go. Let's go for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. So good being part of a wider, as I say, family of friends. And uh, we love Phil so much and what they're doing down there uh, and others as well around. It's so good to be part of a larger group of people who we know and love and who just love the values that we believe God has given to us. So we're going to pray for Nat in a moment. And uh, it's just to say again, we're thrilled to do that. Uh, Nat's grown up in the church Minnie and Nat, as a couple, have blessed us profoundly as a church family, haven't they? And uh, the only other passage I would bring would be uh, in uh, Acts 20, 28, 
where Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus, and he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Paul says, Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Folks, this isn't just a gathering of a social gathering. This is a a company, a, a family that Jesus brought with his own blood. That's how much he loves this church. And uh, we want to love it as well and all that God is doing among us. So I'm going to ask for the band to come up. We're going to just sing a song as the kids come back in because this is a family deal. So the children are coming back in. And uh, as they come in, they'll join in. It's a bit like when we baptize people, really. It's a family thing. The kids have become part of this. And then we're going to pray for Nat, commit him to God uh, and, and Minnie, and then commit ourselves to God, and then we'll close. But this is an important part of this gathering. So um, I believe the youngsters are coming in, but as the song is singing, they'll come in and join us, and then we'll get on with the actually the eldering. All right, we'll do that in a second. Thanks, Sam.